Accredited Master Coach, Speaker, Author, and Podcaster. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can do stories of growth, resilience, and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can do approach. Each one of their stories is unique, each one of their stories has a key message. Happy New Year to all my listeners. Thank you for your support during 2021. In the first episode of the Can Do Way podcast for 2022, I'm talking to Joe Dodds, coach, speaker, trainer, consultant, and fellow podcast host. Now, Joe works with home based coaches and consultants to help them to be successful whilst getting to live more. She delivers all of this via her membership site, Power to Live More, Calm, Built Around Community, Accountability, Learning and Materials, which provides pragmatic advice, coaching and specific help around productivity, digital marketing and well-being at the right time to suit her members. Her weekly podcast is Power to Live More, where she interviews interesting people about their businesses, productivity, and well-being. Welcome to the first show of 2022 today. Thank you, Gail. Great to be here. So if we can first take a short walk through your life to give the listeners a taste of your background and how you actually arrived at helping people to achieve success whilst living more. Yeah, so uh, this will be the very quick version, so I'll talk quickly and fly through it. (laughs) My original background was in HR in corporate, and then I started a business um, 16 years ago now in order to stay at home so that I could have my daughter, who's now 15, so that all worked out well. (laughs) And uh, I started a publishing business by literally reading about it in a magazine and buying a pack, teaching me how to start a magazine business. (laughs) Uh, and uh, that moved into helping my customers to uh, design WordPress websites in the days when people didn't really know that they needed a website. Uh, and that came about because I read a book on how to set up websites and set my own up. And then I thought, oh, I can teach people how to do this. And then social media came along and I specialized in that for a few years. And then I ended up back in corporate as a consultant specializing in employee engagement because I could see that all the uh, social and, and digital tools that we were using in our own businesses in, in the sort of commercial world uh, were going to be really important within organisations for communication, collaboration and all that sort of thing. Who knew that they were going to be even more important in the days of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I did that. Um, but then I had a bit of a, an issue in 2011 and I had a seizure in the middle of the night, uh, which um, I literally just got up, felt a bit ill, came downstairs to Google what what I might be, what what might be wrong with me, like you do, <laughs> and then uh, collapsed on the way back upstairs and collapsed on the bedroom floor and uh, came round to hear my husband shouting at me to wake up, which clearly wasn't the issue because I wasn't asleep, uh, and um, it was diagnosed as um, epilepsy. But I, at the same time, investigated that uh, you can have seizures because you're not eating properly, you're drinking too much, you're stressed, and you're not sleeping properly. And pretty much all of those four things were playing in because I'd started a business, was working too many hours, was stressed out, um, you know, hadn't really got any 
um, control structure to, to what I was doing and that sort of thing. So I said to the doctor, don't treat me. I'm going to go and do some uh, some work and, and do something different and we'll see where we go sort of thing. And Power to Livermore was born, which was all about productivity. Uh, well, as it stands for, productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. And I really focused on looking after myself, working in a different way and therefore teaching my clients the same sort of thing with that focus on living more. And I haven't had a seizure since. So either I've got epilepsy and it's very mild or it it wasn't that at all. (laughs) Wow. That's what an introduction, you know, that that just shouts to me very loudly why I've um, invited you to be a guest on the show today. It's all about that can-do mindset. You've, <laughs> yeah. you've come through your corporate career, you set something up for yourself, but you, as the listeners will hear, you, you have kept moving forward. You've kept looking at and being curious and all of those things that make that such an important mindset piece. Mm-hmm. Before we talk a bit more about your, um, that big life moment in 2011, Tell me why, Joe, you decided to step away from HR after, um, those 16 years ago, back in 2005. <laughs> it wasn't really that sort of much of a decision. It was, it was literally what I've said. I wanted to work from home. I wanted to have a baby. And I was commuting to London at the time. So I was working sort of, I was out of the house 12 hours a day, you know, without doing it overtime even because we didn't have the high speed train in those days. So it mm-hmm. was, it was you know, a long day already. And I needed to do something different so that I could spend that time with, you know, a potential child. And um, and I was reading a magazine and I saw a woman had started a business and I thought, oh, I can do that. <laughs> and uh, so that's what happened. And I mean, to be fair, I um, I was quite relieved to not be in sort of corporate dealing with, you know, managers not getting on with staff and disciplinary issues and you know, recruiting and all that sort of stuff, um, sort of from, from that moment on. And in fact, you know, going back to employee engagement now and and working within, um, like I work within the Engage for Success movement in the UK, which is, mm. uh, um, I, I, I do some work to look after the website and all the sort of digital stuff on the, the back end, if you like, but actually I volunteer also as the co-strategy director. And what I love about it is the fact that I, I can still be within the HR space, but doing the things that I really enjoy and not the sort of more pedestrian sort of um, day-to-day stuff that you have to do when you're a, a jobbing HR manager, if you like. Um, sure. But yeah, it wasn't a particular strategy to move away from HR. It was just, I couldn't see how I could start an HR business from my home. So I just started a different one. <laughs> it's a really refreshing perspective to hear from somebody. You know, a lot of people who I've spoken to have gone into running something that maybe was a strength of theirs in their corporate role or they have embarked on something completely new, whereas you've taken that latter approach. But it's it's still led by that desire in you to say, wow, that looks interesting. I can do that. So when you first started the, the e-zine um, publishing business that you shared, the question I wanted to ask you next was, what was, what was um, one of the first things that you noticed when you stepped away from the corporate world and started this entrepreneurial journey what were some of the strengths that you were noticing were coming to the fore in the work that you were now learning how to deliver and then delivering to people? I think the the biggest thing is the fact that you have to be a sort of a bit of everything. You have to you have to have a really rounded sort of perspective when you're sort of running your own business and 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 working in that sort of way. I I've noticed over 
you know, it's been obviously quite a few years now and I, and going back to work with people in, in corporate, I do sometimes think that when you're in the corporate world, you're quite sort of one dimensional in terms of your career. You sort of, you start your job and you see a career ladder and you follow it mm-hmm. and you only do the things you need to do for that. So for example, I, I really built my f- first business through networking and um, because I hated selling advertising, which is effectively what I was doing, but I couldn't pick the phone up and sell advertising to people. Mm-hmm. So I just went out and met a lot of people, created a great product, and then people sold it for me, uh, really. And um, I, I, I realized that when I was in corporate, I really didn't network because I didn't need to. I stayed within my organization. and I did work in big organizations, so I guess I networked within my organization but I didn't ever need to go outside of it if you like mm. I think that's different now I think with LinkedIn and and with the the flatter structures within organizations and the the lack of a career ladder per se you know with the matrix organizations and that sort of thing I think it's much more important for you to sort of network outside of your organization but that wasn't the case at the time so I think that was one of the big things for me that I realized I needed to sort of be more things to more people and, and build a network around me that I could call on or help or um, you know, interact with depending on on what I needed and what effectively they needed in the end. It's a great realization, you know. And when we talk about networking, because it's a key part of how I've built my business over the last sixteen years as well. Did you face the networking opportunity with fear, or did you see it as this curious drive still in you that you were taking this new approach? That it was like, wow, there's all these things that I can do, and I can learn these things so what was your experience the first time you went networking well all sorts of things in there actually because um I I discovered later that I'm actually a natural networker in that I went to a school reunion a few years ago and I met about 50 people in the room none of whom were my friends from school but I knew all of them enough to go and have an individual conversation with them so I was sort of, oh, wow, you know, wow, there's 50 people that I wasn't actually particularly friendly with at school. And yet I know all of them. I knew them all mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I thought, oh, I must have networked my way around school. Didn't realize that. <laughs> um, but, I, but I'm actually I'm actually very much an introvert in terms of where I get my energy. But people always think I'm an extrovert because I talk a lot and I'm um, very communicative and so on. And um, I uh, many years ago, I did the Gallup Clifton Strengths Finder mm-hmm. and then ignored it <laughs> like you do. <laughs> So I found out my top five strengths and then didn't actually pay too much attention to it for a long time. Um, but the, the three of those strengths, in fact, four of those strengths really speak to my networking. So positivity, uh, winning others over, individualization and communication. So although I'm introverted and I need to spend time on my own to sort of get my energy and that sort of thing, and I'm, I'm daunted going into a room the same as anybody else. Once I'm in the room, I have to be the hostess with the mostest. I have to make sure people are connected and enjoying themselves and things are going well and, and everything else. So I, I, I switch into this sort of hostess mode, um, which is very draining when you're actually an introvert. And I couldn't for many years work out why I felt so bad often after I'd been in par- at parties or in networking events or whatever. And more recently, I've sort of worked it out exactly as I've just described that I'm an introvert going out being seemingly extroverted because of my actual strengths, which is why you know I can facilitate and chair conferences and things like that really well, but I have to, you know, make sure that I recover after it. Uh, but I do remember one thing, going to the first networking event after I left my corporate job. So I started my business whilst I was still working 
And I used to turn up and they'd go, what, what do you do? And I'd say, oh I'm, oh, I'm actually an HR director, but I'm just starting a business. I'm publishing a magazine and I'd come out with the whole story. And then I remember going to my very first one after I was no longer an HR director. And I actually had to say I was a publisher. <laughs> and it was really, really hard because mm-hmm. we define ourselves by, you know, what we do. And, and for me, it was my job for 18 years. And all of a sudden I had to say I was doing something else that I didn't feel equipped for. <laughs> Or, you know, great big imposter syndrome stuff going on there. And I actually had to say I was a publisher. And I actually, you know, remember that moment. That was hard. (laughs) So true. So true. And everything that you were sharing then, Joe, I was just nodding and smiling because I, like you, am that introvert with an extroverted personality as and when it's required. But being very mindful of the time I need to take that step back and recharge as well, because, um, yeah, you play to your strengths and like you I'm a natural networker and we it sounds like to me that you are that super connector just like me you want to make sure everyone's okay you want to make sure people are talking to each other making great connections and also you put so much energy into it but that takes a lot of positive yet draining energy from you as well so it's it's an Mm. awareness it's about self-awareness isn't it to say you know I can do this as and when I need to um, but it, it is okay to step back. Have Definitely. you have you read the book um, Quiet by Susan Cain, which talks yes. all about that? <laughs> yes, yeah. So it's a perfect. When I opened that and I read that, I was like, "That's me. That's exactly <laughs> how it is." And for many years, I too thought I was the extroverted person, and I needed to be. People have always said I'm very chatty and talkative, but at the same time, I've just reviewed that and gone, mm, I don't like being around people all of the time. I need to yeah. step back into me. So everything you shared is really resonates with me. And I'm sure there's many listeners who will also be saying, yeah, that's me too. Or maybe they're on the opposite side of the scale who thought they were introverts but they actually are a lot more extroverted than they they give themselves credit for so yeah thank you for sharing that one of the other examples with that is I go camping a lot and it's a very social thing to do and one of the things you're supposed to do when you're social at camping is just pop along and say can I join you and and go into an awning and sit down with your chair and your glass of wine and Mm -hmm. join the group and I'm always telling my friends and my cousin I won't come unless you invite me (laughs) (laughs) just turn up (laughs) And uh, and the, nobody can believe that because I am so chatty when I get there. But I have to know that I'm invited and it's all arranged be- beforehand. I can't just you know turn up in the same way that I can't just phone people. I have to make an arrangement to phone people. Right. Okay. I understand. I understand. Yeah. And that's all part and parcel of that introverted um, yeah. personality group, isn't it? Too. <laughs> exactly. Let's let's jump on to um, the topic about adversity and building resilience. So you've taken some risks in your Mm -hmm. life, your career, you stepped away from corporate, went into self-employment. And then as you were riding along on that wave of success, 2011 came in and the seizure happened. So what did you, I know you said that you created the power to live uh, as a result of it, but when that seizure first occurred, what were some of those first thoughts that were going through your mind? And did you ever give yourself permission to to wallow at any stage and say wow I wonder what's going to happen next and can I still do this I think there's always space for wallowing for sure (laughs) but not for very long Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I think it was I just knew that I had to do something different I knew that what I was doing wasn't working and um you know and 
as I said, it, it could have been, you know, if it was epilepsy and I was going to be on treatment and I couldn't drive and all those other things, it was going to be a massive change. So I had to make a massive change one way or the other. And I just hoped that the route I was going to take was, was going to be the, the right one. And I, of course I, I didn't come out of the seizure thinking, oh, I'm going to start a new business. I just came out of the, that, that moment thinking I need to do something different. And actually mm-hmm. as is, the way that I generally am, you know, if I'm doing this, then I'm going to share it with people. And actually that could be useful to, to people. And it was also sort of the beginning of, and I don't know if this just is just my era of business people or whether it's totally across the board. And I think it is sort of across the board, especially given what's happening around the world with the pandemic and everything else. But I saw a lot of the people I'd started in business with, you know, so they'd started their own businesses at a similar time to me, starting to look at simplifying and, you know, the, the, the books, essentialism and the one thing and things like that were sort of um, coming along. And um, I started to um, see other people doing a similar thing. And so I don't know whether we'd all just reached that point at the same time, or as I say, whether it was the sort of, you know, zeitgeist, and I think I suspect a bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it was, it was, I needed to do something different. And actually, if I'm going to do something different now, I realise the benefit of that. Maybe that's something I could then share with other people. And I carried on doing a lot of the engagement stuff alongside it um, and then sort of really got more focused on that. And, you know, in the last few years, um, I, as I say, I still do the engagement stuff, but not in the same sort of way. Wonderful. Do you have an example of one of the clients that you've worked with um, recently through your Power to Live program and what was the outcome for that person um but actually probably my first member of um uh power to live more was somebody who was looking to start a she wanted to start a podcast and uh, she'd been around we've never actually met in real life but we've sort of been connected through social media for a long time and um she said could I help her to do that and I said well actually why don't you join my new membership Mm -hmm. (laughs) so few years ago um and you know that'll be sort of something I can help you with as as part of that um but it's interesting how sort of much else else we've worked on in her business as a result you know the the podcast has been the sort of practical get stuff done bit of it but in terms of uh you know niching and and focus and and simplifying and and automation and outsourcing and you know all the sorts of things that have have made things easier for her have all sort of come through from that but as I say it all started with just a I want to start a podcast as the the first thing but you know I think one of the important things you know now is whatever you're doing to always be reviewing what you're doing to always be thinking can I be doing this in a better way and a smarter way and a more simple way and in fact one of my other members this this week said you know this year simplify is her word for the year and uh you know I think that if you're always thinking about how can I do this you know in in an easier way then you know that can't be a bad thing can it (laughs) most definitely you know and it's it's this time of the year where the cliched term of setting New Year's resolutions, but I think one of the focuses I've been hearing from friends and clients and colleagues as well is, you know, I just want to be doing something a bit different this year. It doesn't mean a huge emphasis shift. It doesn't mean a whole new part of the business. It's just, as you said, it's simplifying, refining, and and just saying, you know, maybe I, we just all need to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of high energy that has come 
from the uncertainty and the emotion that's been attached to COVID. And a lot of people are very tired. They've become burnt out and they're stressed and mental health has been impacted. But perhaps 2022 is that beacon where people can start to look and feel more hopeful that Mm. we can slow down and we can just do what we need to be doing without doing too much, Mm. um, but still exploring those multitude of options that can present themselves when we give them permission to. Absolutely. And I think as well, I think what the last couple of years has done for a lot of people is actually sort of put them in a position where they have come to realise what they want. And one of the things I've said all along is that often when I work with people around, uh, you know, getting more time and focus to do the things that they want to do or to do more of the things that they want to do, often people don't actually know what those things are because they've been too busy being busy mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know if you say to people you know what's that day look like when you get to to live more um, often people have to really think hard because they don't often get to do that and I think people have taken that time in the last couple of years because they've been forced to really um, to you know to think about what those things are and then that makes it much easier to you know get everything else sort of in line to be able to make those things happen I think you know as we all know that thing about start with the end in mind if you don't know what that thing is that you're going to do when you found the time, you probably won't ever find the time. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. On the topic of being busy and because you work in productivity with people, you mentioned the book The One Thing by um, Gary Keller, which is one of my favourite books and it's been a transformational tool for many, many of my clients. Mm. What would you say is your favourite recollection from the book that you can share with the listeners? Oh, it's a long time since I read it. <laughs> I think um, I think it's the, the the main theme for me, which is you know, which is that thing about what one thing can you do that will mean that you don't have to do everything else, or that everything else becomes easier as as a result of of doing that. Um, I think often we we keep doing things. Uh, my, my member with the podcast actually is a great example. She's been doing a podcast that's been taking up a lot of her time. And I've been telling her for <laughs> months that, you know, it shouldn't take up that much time and it's, you know, potentially getting in the way of other things. Mm. And we just spent a bit of time before Christmas actually brainstorming all the aspects of what she does and whether she really needs to do those things in that way, in that mm-hmm. order at mm-hmm. that time, or whether she can outsource or change or, or whatever, what she is doing. And I think we, we we get into a groove and we just stay in that groove. I mean, I, again, I always say when when I'm talking about outsourcing, it always takes me just as, you know, just as the same as with my clients, it takes me quite a long time to outsource a task. And then afterwards I'm like, why did it take me so long? It's like, <laughs> oh, what a relief. But it's because I've got to record a video and think about how it's going to work and make sure it's a nice streamlined process before I outsource it and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I just procrastinate on it. And then afterwards kick myself that it's taken me three months to do it when I could have just done it you know last week and all would have been well yes (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's people listening who are nodding their heads and smiling at the same time just going yes been there done that too so (laughs) it does happen it does happen to all of us so Joe, we come to the time in the interview and I'd love to hear your three can-do tips for our listeners please so uh they're very simple and all interconnected, really. Firstly, um, I think if you have the how hard can it be attitude. <laughs> so, you know, I started a I started a business, as I said, 
on a whim, having read about it in a magazine. And uh, I, I think back now, I spent a week designing my first magazine in a software that I'd never used before in France with no internet. I have no idea now how I did it because just that just sounds impossible to me. But clearly, it wasn't that hard in the end. <laughs> I remember, I remember thinking, I need to do. A, a picture of a plane on an ad for a taxi driver who goes to airports and I want the yellow to go all the way around the edge of the plane and graphic designers must be able to make that work so there must be a way and mm-hmm. you know I carried on till I found it and so my second one is there is always a solution you just need to keep looking for it be patient mm-hmm. uh, sometimes just let it come to you sometimes you know push harder to to find that solution um, and the third one is um, I would say I'm a, a I'm a master Googler. I think it's my superpower. But you know, Google and YouTube and and all the the information we have at our fingertips now, um, we we you know we can learn to do anything. And you think in the olden days we used to have to to you know pootle off down to the library to get the book to teach us how to do whatever it might be, and we don't have to do that anymore. But the amount of people I speak to who ask me to explain how to do something or do I know blah blah blah, and I'm thinking. Mm-hmm why are you asking me when you could ask Google? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I know it needs interpreting sometimes. And, you know, sometimes it's a lot of information and everything else, but, um, you know, you can find so many things. I was talking to somebody yesterday. He said he'd found out what was it he was cooking? Oh, how to, to stuff peppers. And apparently if you boil them a little bit before you stuff them, then when you cook them, they won't be crunchy at the end of it. Cause they'll, you know, they'll be cooked before you put the other bits <laughs> okay. in. So, and he found that on a YouTube video doing a bit of research. Yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, the, the phrase how to must be one of the biggest search engine phrases on the planet these days, yeah. as you say. Yeah, exactly. But also just that, you know, you can get really granular in what you look for. So sometimes it's not just as simple as saying how to blah, blah, blah. It's all oh, that wasn't quite what I want. How can I rephrase it? And mm-hmm. and doing that to, to actually get to that absolute thing that you that you want to know rather than trying it, not being able to find anything and just assuming, you know, you're not going to be able to, because I can guarantee you that information is out there somewhere. You just need to work out a way to find it. And it might be asking me, obviously. (laughs) Well, there is that. But at the same time, you you summarised that beautifully where you said that it gives you an opportunity to reframe it so that you can get what you're seeking um, Mm -hmm. from, from the internet or from those that you trust around you. So, but thank you so much for those three can-do tips. So my final question for you, Joe, is why do you feel a can-do attitude is essential? Well, I think firstly for your own sanity. <laughs> um, it also creates the right vibe around you for your customers, your family, the people that, that you're working with. Um, but actually when I was thinking about my answer to to this question I just thought well in the end of the day why would you want a can't do attitude I mean just why (laughs) it just it just it just doesn't serve you does it your life would be much harder and I'm sure it is if if you're one of these people if you have a can't do attitude so having a can do attitude has got to be the starting point to to being able to to live more Thank you so much. And on that note, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for being my first guest on the uh, podcast for 2022. I'm sure the listeners will take away all of those wonderful tips as you've shared and your story and the, the, the key highlights that really resonate with them or that can really help them to 
perhaps make some changes in their mindset this year and take a different approach to become more curious. But your energy and your dynamism is um, is wonderful to talk to you, Joe. So thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. Lovely. Thank you, Gail. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do you live and breathe a can-do attitude? Have an inspiring perspective, a life-changing experience, or intriguing story to share? Always curious, and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be my guest. Do get in touch via my website, gailmgibson.com. The Can Do Way podcast, refreshing, positive, and real.